Good evening, Warami, and welcome to the mission on 3RRR. My name is Maddie Miller, I'm a Darug woman, and I'm filling in this week for your regular host, Daniel James. And I'll be here for the next two weeks, chatting about some things from country, chatting to some mob, and I'm joining you tonight from Wurundjeri Woiwurrung country, and I pay my respects to their elders, past and present, uh, I also extend that respect to their ancestors and their resilient and deadly community, as well as to any Indigenous peoples listening tonight. Wurundjeri country is a place that I've called home for most of my life, and I want to acknowledge the agency of this country and that sovereignty was never ceded. So over the next hour or so, I'll be chatting to a couple of artists about their work and how art plays a role in their connection to their cultures. Uh, I also want to touch on some issues around inauthentic art. You may have seen earlier this month the Queen Vic Market announced intentions to ban the sale of fake Aboriginal art within the market Uh, and the um, Productivity Commission also reported earlier this year that two out of three Aboriginal souvenirs on the market are fake. So this is sort of an issue that extends really beyond souvenirs uh, and I think if, if anybody watched that Ricky Gervais show a couple of years back after life which featured you know rather predominantly uh, an unauthorised copy of Willem Peary Jap Altjari's artwork uh, you know you can see that Aboriginal art and, and fake Aboriginal art is actually big business So tonight I'm really uh, super happy to have the opportunity to chat with two artists. Uh, We've got Adam McGuinness on first and then we'll be having a chat to Yorta Yorta artist Maddie Connors Uh, and I'm I'm super, super happy to have them on. Um, But first, let's get into some music. You're listening to... Triple R, The Mission. I'm Maddie Miller. I'm a Darug woman filling in this week. And you've just heard Eventually by Maisha up the top and Mojiki by the Black Rock Band. Tonight we're having a, a yarn about art to a couple of different artists. And I'm joined tonight by a uh, pretty deadly artist, Adam Magenis. Um And yeah, Adam, how are you? Uh, g'day, Maddie. Thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, no worries. Um, I always like to ask people to introduce themselves. So can you just, yeah, tell the people who you are and, and who's your mob and, and what you're about? Uh, yeah, thanks, Maddie. I'm not very exciting. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, uh, uh, my name's uh, Adam. Uh, yeah, based down on the Mornington Peninsula. Uh, grew up in Bayswater. Uh, out in the uh, leafy eastern suburbs. Uh, I'm a Bunurong man and um, fortunate to be able to live on country down here, which is good. And, uh, yeah, just sort of, you know, two teenage kids, 15 and 13. And, uh, yeah, so that's um, what we do down here. Uh, and, yeah, run, fortunate enough to yeah, run a um, an art consultancy. Yeah, what's the name of your uh, art consultancy? Uh, it's called uh, Captify, yeah. and uh, Spotify ripped me off. Um, <laughs> I established uh, this name in 
Suit on your hands there, bruv. Go after Spotify. Yeah, there's a few, eh? few IFYs appearing <laughs> recently. Um, fortunately, I can, I've got Captify as a trademark in Australia, so um, we've got some protection around uh, the name now, which is good, but not, not internationally. So I've noticed that there's a uh, an insurance company over in, uh, 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 I'd say, Asia Minor, um, taken the name, but uh, they're an insurance company, so yeah. it's all right. Yeah. yeah, but you've, I mean, we met first uh, in a classroom at university, so you've got, you know, quite a, a diverse career outside of being an artist as well, hey? Uh, yes, you and I crossed paths that are, you know, undergraduate in archaeology and, uh, yeah, fond memories of, um, yeah, uni and uh, yeah, doing our archaeological studies. And uh, that particular class, I think, was on the um, early hominids and uh, mm. the Oldovian period and um, yeah, Homo Augusta. And, Jeez, you got a uh, better that, memory than me. Yeah, the uh, dawn of the Stone Age, I think it was called. Oh. Something like that. So, uh, but, yeah, no, really great times. And, um, yeah, the, uh, the studies and uh, being able to, you know, have the opportunity to do you know, sort of archaeological investigations on country is, yeah, certainly influenced um, some of my art styles, you know, since I've done the degree. And, yeah. Um, yeah, loved every minute of it, but, um, yeah, didn't really get a chance to hang out on campus and sort of experience that type of uni life. But, um, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed the studies and <clears throat> especially, yeah, the honours year was, yeah, pretty good. Uh, yeah, going pretty up tough, to, um, eh? Yeah, that was yeah challenging on the uh, brain, and, um, <laughs> and also you know being committed to you know completing it. So, um, but yeah, loved the uh, field work that was up at uh, uh, Ned's Corner, sort of northwest Victoria, and uh, yeah, been up there. I've done a few bits of art, but uh, you know that landscape up there as well. So yeah, wherever we go now work across Victoria, um, yeah, definitely pick up some different ideas on the local habitats and the ecology and, uh, yeah, the waterways and see what I can um, produce when I'm back home. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I get a lot of influence from, um, yeah, sort of the environment and being out on country. Yeah, that's something I've really noticed in your work. It's, I mean, it, it's hard to describe it on radio, but your art style, it's you know, it's a really beautiful sort of free-flowing um, art style and it, and it brings in a lot of those factors around country and, and ecology. Uh, and I, I've noticed it sort of often incorporates some of that traditional line work that we've come to associate with Southeast. Um, so I guess is that is that sort of, you know, where do you pull your inspiration from in your work? Uh, yeah, there's a few. I, I get inspired. Every day, there's always something I might pick that out, or if I see other artists and what they're up to, and I might say, oh, that works, that medium, or you know, that colour palette works. So I sort of, yeah, try and, you know, I get inspiration each day. 
And uh, but then also, <coughs> I've got sort of particular uh, elements that I always like to have, sort of as a set sort of base. I'd say in terms of concept, and mm-hmm. yeah, we try and um, you know use uh, real soft, soft colours, so more softer hue colours, which uh, represent you know the the colour palette of country. This is sound really fluffy, Matty. Um, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so, but also, yeah, love to go on uh, walks. And one of my favourite things is, um, yeah, sort of after sort of a high tidal surge or a weather event, um, love to go uh, beach fossicking because, um, you know, a lot of stuff appears on the ocean after a sort of high tide event. And, um, yeah, like to go to sort of down this way, sort of places like, uh, yeah, sort of Shoreham and, and Flinders. But, um there's other people that go to Flinders as well, so I've got to be careful I don't take their stash either, the beach. So you've got to share it with other people. But, um, yeah, get a lot of inspiration off, off the coast and, yeah, sort of in, in my work as well, yeah, working with other communities. Uh, been working out at Wadarong and Eastern Mar communities out west for the past three or four years and, yeah, that country is very similar to here, so I've um, yeah, taken a lot of inspiration from out the west there, so which has been yeah, pretty good, and that's resonated in the artwork. Yeah. Uh, and I've got a bit of a yeah graffiti element, so I used to you know sort of walk the Belgrave and Lilydale lines back in the uh, 90s, 1990s, and um, sort of yeah picked up a bit of that graffiti style as well. Yeah, so Street what, art style in the work. So yep. do you still use? So do you use like spray paint and stuff in your work now, or sort of how does that translate? Uh, yes, so use aerosol sometimes as a medium, um, but more discreetly, uh, we sort of do it in uh, sort of using templates like uh, sort of feathers and and leaves, uh, and usually sometimes cut out sort of patterns out of uh, sort of. Uh, a hard paper and we yeah, sort of do more stencil aerosol art in the uh, designs now. But um, in saying that, <coughs> we're uh, awarded a grant recently, which is sort of um, working with young uh, graffiti kids uh, and uh, teaching them about moving down from tagging to doing uh, sort of throw-ups and more street art, um, trying to get them out of that sort of... <coughs> tagging, sorry, excuse me, that tagging phase and teaching them about um, straight up, straight up front. So we've sort of got a grant for that. So we are looking at, uh, yeah, sort of, you know, working with that at-risk kids and kids that are under the radar sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, seeing if we can, um, yeah, inspire some young artists out there. Oh, that's amazing. And, I mean, I guess art does have that, you know, connection factor that you can you know, build a, a community around art? Is that sort of, you know, your experience? Uh, <clears throat> definitely. And, yeah, different projects we do. Um, you know, we might be in a particular area that, um, yeah, we collaborate um, together with local community and that might be the local primary school, uh, local residents. Um, we had the opportunity to do some murals along the Frankston line uh, as part of the public infrastructure upgrades along there and uh, a lot of the residents that walk past we get you know we'd spray paint their hands onto the murals <laughs> and um yeah get them to write little messages and some days i'd ask them what do you want what do you want me to paint today and uh so we'd sort of yeah, do what they said and you know over the course of the month everyone that's walked past can contributed to the 
to the art, uh, the public art. But yeah, working with local schools is probably my my um, uh, uh, more you know enjoyable aspect of it, and working with young kids and getting their concept designs. Yeah. And putting them onto you know a public asset that they can see you know for the rest of their lives or for at least twenty five years that's usually the the scope of um, uh, public art uh, most clients want it to last for twenty five years um, <clears throat> more recently yeah we've worked with some um, all ability schools so uh, there's some pretty creative talent there and um, yeah so we work with um, some uh, uh, schools out on the base side area and uh, with some other artists, and yeah, definitely, you know, it's got some creative talent uh, with our all abilities kids. Yeah, uh, and even down to uh, yeah, one mural I had our old grade six crossing lady come up, and because <laughs> uh, we you know been picking up the kids for six years, so she came up and uh, put her handprint in one of the murals as well. So yeah, we try and get you know as much participation as possible, and. Yeah, also give opportunity to other young sort of first people's artists and, and give them an opportunity to vocationally learn and use different mediums and how to um, yeah, sort of project deliver a uh, you know, an arts project and all the different facets to it. Yeah, do you see art as, I guess, part of that reconciliation journey? I've noticed you've kind of done a bit of work in that space in terms of reconciliation action plans and working with <coughs> communities. Is that sort of, you know, one of those windows into that cross-cultural learning? Uh, I think yes, and, and more broadly to that, we've got, you know, a, a really growing First Peoples business network and we're developing, you know, great partnerships and relationships across the board, and this is for the... You know, the Victorian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander business sector. Mm-hmm. There's some awesome opportunity out there in, um, you know, the, the business world and certainly, you know, been engaging, you know, all of our community businesses. And, yeah, art's just one of those services that, you know, we've got some talented people in our community and um, art tells a story. And, yeah, through that, you know, Reconciliation Action Plan, um, development and you know developing those relationships with you know your client, um, mm-hmm. and that could be from a school to a you know a, a bank or a you know a retail um, outlet. Uh, you know there's there's those relationships develop, and, and arts are a great sort of um, conduit to um, discuss our stories. And yeah, and a lot of clients that you know contact Captive Five for you know wrap artwork. Um, we really make it contextual and subjective to what their values are and what you know what their message they'd like to put out to the um, you know the public and to their uh, you know people that are coming to use their services and uh, so but overall yeah art you know tells a story and um, you know there's a lot of you know um, really sort of passionate businesses out there that are invested in you know our our art sector in in Victoria so. And we're fortunate to be able to get some work out of that, yeah. um, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and on, I guess, <coughs> I've been thinking a bit about sort of stories and art and thinking, you know, um, sort of opened the show talking a little bit about the issue of inauthentic art um, and also sort of ripping off of art. Uh, so you're a member of the Indigenous Art Code uh, who advocate for fair and ethical treatment for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander artists. 
Uh, and, and sort of as part of that, there's, you know, people like the incredible Dr. Terry Janke, who have done a huge amount of work in the space of intellectual property and copyright. Um, and, and sort of, I guess, for, for listeners, some of the issues around Australian law and what it doesn't protect. So it, it doesn't protect the stories that we're telling in our artwork. Uh, it doesn't protect the techniques doesn't protect language um, we don't protect music and dance performances unless they have been written down uh, and I'm a I'm a weaver and so weaving technology isn't sort of protected through uh, intellectual property and copyright laws uh, you know these are sort of broad issues that impact uh, Aboriginal artists uh, often because uh, many Aboriginal artists like yourself and and me, we're both sort of uh, multidisciplinary artists, uh, you know, but I guess like this is sort of, you know, on this sort of legal scale. Uh, but I wanted to just have a yarn with you about, you know, from on a, on a human level, I guess, about why it's important to continue to advocate for those protections for Indigenous art practices. Uh, it's really critical. That's a very loaded question, Maddie. Um, <laughs> so uh, with a, a range of um, different answers I can uh, give our audience. Um, firstly, you know, as an artist, and if you're an artist out there, um, it is challenging to, you know, your rights. Um, the Indigenous Arts Code's our, our national advocacy body, and um, they've certainly influenced change in our in our policies in terms of the use of art and uh, what can be used uh, outside. You know, if you were to buy a bit of art off an artist, and what rights do you have, and what rights uh, you know does the artist still retain? Mm-hmm. Um, just going through the trademark process. Um, there are some, you know, stronger policy I noticed within the trademark um, process where it really asks the question of, yeah, the first people's artist, you know, what what cultural rights are, are you asking? And I think there's been some improvement with trademarks. Um, I'm not sure about patents. Like as a as a weaver, you know, uh, as you mentioned, you know, I wonder if um, a certain technique can be patented so yeah. that. You know, if it's from a particular cultural group, you know, um, you know, is that, you know, do they <clears throat> have the right to that particular, um, you know, sort of process and technique? You know, mm. is that from a, you know, particular, you know, geographic region that was, you know, uh, shared with through, you know, artists? So, yes, there's certainly challenges, um, and especially with, you know, social media. Um, and I've had to get used to it myself using the, um, the Instagram and the Facebook. <laughs> Um, I'm not, it doesn't really resonate with me using those two um, certain sort of social media platforms, but um, that that helps with promoting my business. And so I, I do, you know, just uh, from my own sort of perspective, I do put myself at risk that you know someone may you know be able to um, take one of my images and you know sell that, or you know I've had recent you know emails recently over the past few weeks about people wanting to buy my digital art for the um, cryptocurrency stuff, the NFT stuff. Wow. Um, and so that, but then they're direct emails, so they're not going to spam. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, I, I haven't responded to them, but that's been a recent, um, I suppose, email inquiry that's been coming 
through my main email account is yeah, people wanting to buy um, my digital, you know, digital images um, for you know a little bit of monetary value, um, uh, but then to potentially yeah, on sell that uh, to profit. So, um, but then yeah, you know, at the same time, you know, using social media, you you've got to you know you, you're putting yourself at risk that someone might want to exploit your artwork and, and use it for. Um, economic purposes outside of an agreement with the artist so but you know you do put yourself at risk um you know but yeah you, you hope there's still some goodwill in the world um but you can only you know take victoria market as an example um there's not a lot of authentic community art sold at the victorian market um might have changed but you know there's there's certainly some uh exploitation there that, you know, our, our laws aren't protecting. Yeah. Sort of I mean, and the market yeah. came out and sort of said that it was their intention to remove inauthentic art um, and there was an article in The Age and I don't think they, well, I, they didn't interview any Indigenous artists, which is really bizarre to me, um, but one of the sort of, uh, you know, friends of groups had sort of said, well, tourists come here to buy, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, um, you know, tourists come here to buy cheap, colourful uh, souvenirs and so we should let them. Um, but, you know, I think we have a culture that's uh, far more worthy of, of a cheap souvenir. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not, I don't mean to downplay the Victorian market. It's a, it's an awesome, uh, iconic uh, landmark mm. of Melbourne <laughs> and, yeah, we've been there many a times. But, yeah, unfortunately that's... I've, Every time I've been to that particular place, um, that's always been a standout. You know, seeing some uh, uh, sort of bamboo, you know, balsa wood boomerangs with some dot work and other stuff that you know, you know, you know that that's not from around here, sort of thing. Yeah, and I think uh, well, exactly. And in, in the southeast, you know, Bunurong and and the rest of the Kulin Nation as well have a have a unique. Um, artistic practice uh it's not necessarily that central desert artwork that you sort of see ripped off um so it's important to celebrate that as well uh yes but in in saying that and the older you know i do respect you know that we do have our artists in the community that you know like to use that particular style Mm -hmm. and i love seeing that style um and it you know it's up to the individual artists and how they want to express themselves and that's all artists, you know, yep. all, all, all from all social diverse backgrounds. Um, you know, you if you're an artist, it's an it's an innate talent um, that you have, and and definitely, you know, I encourage all artists to express themselves in the way that they feel comfortable. Um, but yeah, we do have some you know, uh, cultural sensitivities that we, you know, as artists, we need to be aware of as well when we um, when we're you know interpreting and, and producing art as well. So. Yeah. Well, Bit of a balance. Thanks so much for um, all your thoughts tonight, Adam, and I really appreciated all you've shared. And, uh, you know, I think if – and where can people find you if they want to check out your oh, I don't like to be found, Maddie. so um, <laughs> uh, funny because um, – You're on you Instagram, know, I, apparently. Yeah, me old, me, you're my old uni buddy, so I'm <laughs> obligated to say yes. No, I, I – <laughs> But yeah, you can. Um, I've got the Instagram account. Um, it's uh, Captify underscore Art. Yeah. And I've got uh, the website captify.com.au. Nice. Well, and, you, um, yeah, you can check out the art style uh, there, the Captify art style. But uh, 
as I said, Maddie, I'm not exciting. So, <laughs> I think but, you're uh, yeah, exciting. I appreciate you connecting tonight. So. No worries. Well, you've chosen a song to um, play us oh, out yes, with. Dolores. Yes. Yes. So can you can you give us a rundown of why you've chosen "Zombie" by the Cranberries? Uh, I think um, when when the Cranberries came out, and this was back in sort of early '90s, um, I was just finding my feet then and how I perceived the world and. I already knew back then that I was an activist and loved the environment. And, uh, yeah, I remember, you know, when, yeah, the Cranberries came came on the scenes and talking about, you know, colonialism there and, and how their communities were sort of persecuted and how powerful, you know, their, their words were in their music. Um, that's why I've chosen that. It was a bit of uh, the foundation of who I am sort of thing, that, that period of time. Mm-hmm. And, I remember the uh, yeah the French um, you know testing their atom bombs out in the Mural Atoll up in sort of the Pacific and yeah it was that sort of early nineties and I remember the Jabaluka mine uh, mm. in uranium mine up in northern yeah so that's why I picked Dolores and yeah awesome lyrics great great uh, you know vocal artist and, and very powerful music so that's why I got Zombie. Brilliant, thanks so much, Adam. Well. Thanks for having us on, and, um, yeah, it's great to chat. Awesome, Maddie. Take care. No worries. You're listening to Triple R. My name is Maddie. I'm a Darug woman, and I'm filling in this week for the mission. Uh, you just heard uh, an extended live version of Zombie by the Cranberries, as uh, requested by our previous guest, Adam uh, so we're chatting to a couple of artists this week uh, around you know, their practice, uh, but also around themes of the importance of the authenticness of Aboriginal art uh, and the issues around inauthentic art uh, that's being sold sort of, you know, pretty much everywhere, every souvenir shop you'll go into, every market, you'll see plenty of inauthentic art. I shared sort of earlier that two out of three uh, souvenirs, Aboriginal souvenirs are inauthentic. We're joined tonight by Maddie Connors uh, and I'm super chapped to, to, to talk to her. Um, Maddie is a uh, an Aboriginal artist from the Yorta Yorta, uh, Jajawarung and Gamilaroi Nations uh, and she has a, a, you know, a really beautiful and fun art style. Uh, Maddie, how are you? Good, thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I normally like to ask people to you know, introduce themselves, just, you know, uh, let everybody know who they are and where they're from and what they do. So, um, yeah, can you do that? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, before I begin, I want to acknowledge the land on which I am on today. I'm on Wurundjeri land um, and I pay my respects to elders past and present. I also pay my respects to my elders who have paved the way for me in my journey as an Aboriginal woman, but also as an artist. Um, my name is Maddie. I'm a Yorta Yorta, Jajarung and Gamilaroi woman. I was born in Kanigupna, which means a place where the big fish are caught, and it's also known as Shepparton. Uh, so I do send um, out my condolences to all those on Yorta Yorta country and surrounding at the moment, <clears throat> um, impacted by the floods. It's um, just a heartbreaking scene to be watching from afar 
Um, yeah, so I'm an artist. I'm an Aboriginal artist, and I have my own company called Yali Creative. Um, Yali means um, Yindi and Mali put together. They are my two children, so they created Yali. Gorgeous. Um, yeah, so I collaborated, those, like I put those two names together. I used to um, go under the name of Mulana Dreaming, which meant spirit dreaming, and I feel like at that time I was sort of um, seeking who I was and mm-hmm. trying to find who I was as a person. But when I had my kids, I knew I was where I needed to be and they sort of formulated that. So I have been practising art since before I can remember. Um, you know, it's something that is has always been innate within me and I just love creating. Like, you know, I, I create most days, mm. um, whether it's digital or acrylic on canvas. Yeah, and your art style is, you know, quite, you know, I, I guess there's, there's, you've, you've got quite a depth in your art styles. Um, but when I think of it, I think of these, you know, beautiful colours that you use. It's quite poppy. Um, and maybe I'm a bit more familiar with your digital art. So where do you sort of get that inspiration from? Uh, I feel like, so if you were to work, walk into my house, my house isn't as colourful as my art. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and I feel like in my head there's a lot more colour and when I see colour, you know, it, it's really representative of my mind and, you know, the world that we see. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's from everything. It's the country, it's the greenery. So I live in the east of Melbourne and it's quite green out here, so I love it. And it reminds me of home with the gum trees and, you know, all that beautiful native flora and fauna I'm surrounded by. So I'm always surrounded by colour and, yeah, I think that's where I pick it up from. Yeah, and you, what I really love about the stuff that you do is that you use art, you know, not only to tell stories of your culture and your connection, um, but also for sort of advocacy and sort of things that um, I've seen you work on is sort of um, period advocacy uh, you've done around ensuring women have um, access to safe um, period products uh as yep. well as as, as um, sort of other advocacy work why do you think that art and advocacy go together and and why is that important to you i just feel like um art really connects with people and <clears throat> not only is it you know when you see art it's visually pleasing and you know you're, you're drawn in by the visualization of art but also then you know with my art comes the story so mm. i often will write you know, lengthy captions and things that I'm thinking at the time, and I really enjoy writing. So the two hand-in-hand really help my creative personality and, you know, tell those stories through art. I just, you know, as Aboriginal people, we've, we've got our oral history and we've been telling stories for, you know, years and years and years, and, you know, our old people told stories, and the way I like to express my stories is through that visualization and and retelling those stories in the art form Mm -hmm. and like I I I spent a lot of time you know particularly after my daughter was born I used art as a way of healing um not from the birth itself but just from you know some past traumas and that I was working through but it it really helps with healing and it's particularly if you're a creative person as well yeah absolutely I find that you know I do weaving and and other types of art and you know when you it's such a gift to yourself to be able to take the time to create I think 
Yeah, particularly like when you get into flow. Like yeah. I feel like once I can get, and I'm not thinking about what I'm creating, but part of me is as well. So it's like you're sort of like letting go of everything that's surrounding you. So in my darkest days, I can probably create the most beautiful things. And it's from that darkness beauty comes. And, you know, the, the old saying of, oh, what is it? It's like a, a diamond's created under pressure. And it's similar, you know, if you've got lots of pressures in your life, there's these beautiful artworks that are created under all of that pressure, yeah. um, which I really love. And it's, it's the same, it goes with the advocacy stuff, you know. Some of that stuff is a bit meaty and a bit uncomfortable for many people, but to create such awareness in a way that uh, brings people in on that journey, I think it's really beautiful and it's a really great way of getting your message out. Yeah, and what are some of the causes that you like to sort of advocate for? I know you, you sort of are across a number of things, but is there anything in particular that you feel really strongly draws you in with your art? Um, I guess it's, you know, that caring for country messaging that we're all, you know, pushing for around at the moment, particularly with our country being um, really sad and, and, you know, the things that are happening across various areas, you know, with the floods and Mm. the storms and things like that. So our country needs healing and, you know, I like to talk about um, cultural appropriation and the importance of authentic Aboriginal art and I think it's really important when we're looking at art we're not looking you know sometimes when I got onto Instagram you know I found so many people were hashtagging Aboriginal inspired and and this this whole area of art has evolved out of out of our culture and it's Aboriginal inspired art and you know I always talk about the fact that you know that's really um, impactful for Aboriginal artists themselves you're taking away our storytelling and you're taking parts of our culture and and using that and you know it can be really detrimental to culture Um, so I talk a lot about that and then you know things like motherhood and mental health awareness is really important on my radar as I've suffered myself Um, and homelessness, my my dad's been homeless, um, but he's now not homeless. But after five years, you know that that's been a journey for him. And mm-hmm. I'm really passionate about lots of things, really. Like <laughs> you can get me talking about this all day. <laughs> yeah, and I guess I mean, like you know, like uh, we don't live in a bubble, especially as black fellas. You know, we we sort of don't get the. Um, grace to just hey I'm just an artist and that's what I do you live in this vibrant community that is you know um, all of these intersecting issues Uh, and I think it's really beautiful that you're able to sort of use your art to be able to bring some of those issues to light as well yeah definitely I think it's really important to have those conversations and with a platform like Yali Creative I think you know just I've had a lot of mob and a lot of people, you know, I talk about, you know, fair skin and and how that impacted me growing up and everything as well. And I've had a lot of mob reach out and be really thankful that I've brought attention to some things like that I talk about, like, you know, um, endometriosis and adenomyosis, you know, some women's health issues that I do bring awareness to as well. And I've had a lot of people, you know, reach out and say they're so thankful that they feel seen. Um, and and that, that fills my heart, you know. That makes me feel so good about sharing these stories because it, it allows others to feel like they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah, and I think a lot of these issues, you know, if you're going through, you know, endo, it's 
it is sort of you know can feel quite isolating like why is this happening to me but to seeing that there's you know a whole community of people um yeah I think it's really important the work that you do I want to cycle back to um something you touched on and we've sort of I've touched on across the show around uh inauthentic art um and uh I guess the question around you know people who you know I've spoken a lot about souvenirs and things like that which this is mass production uh but you've highlighted another issue which is around you know genuine artists but they're taking uh inspired by (laughs) Aboriginal art uh and to me that sort of separates the art style as a technique from the stories that are embedded within it um and I guess I just wanted to ask you a little bit about that and and why you know it's important to you know, call those people out. Um, and I think maybe people might ask what's the difference between, uh, you know, cultural appreciation and then cultural appropriation. So I wondered if you could have a have a yarn about that. Yeah, definitely. You know, when non-Aboriginal people appropriate our culture, it's taking away the fact that, you know, we have um, both suffered and lived through and enjoyed our culture and you know it's a part of us as a people and you know it it feels like it's being stolen yet again Mm -hmm. um and then profited on and so for me the obviously the difference between cultural appreciation is you're appreciating an artist you're you know you're purchasing from authentic aboriginal art artists and 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 you know people out there who actually you know have stories to tell that have been passed on or who have learnt the ways of art through their their elders and their people and they continue to have that connection with their culture and you know that that's really that's a really beautiful part about being an artist is we're sharing and and then you know you have that um that's the appreciation you know you're you're seeing that art that culture and that journey and you're really standing back and you're saying yeah this is this is you know what I want to learn and and be a part of and but then people who either accidentally purposefully um create our symbols and and motifs and and style of artwork that replicates you know our our culture and our history and then they start profiting on it and blackfacing you know pretending to be something that they're not so people are lured in and they purchase it not asking the questions of who's your mob or who's your community where are you from you know are you aboriginal or are you a first nations person these are just some simple questions that anyone can ask and if you're a black fella you know we'll tell you straight up i'm you know this is my mob this is my clan this is where where i'm from and then we'll even go even more minute to this my family line <laughs> and then you work out oh i'm related to you you and you um but yeah like <clears throat> it's not it's not an inappropriate question to ask someone if you're purchasing Aboriginal art and you're unsure, no blackfellow is going to be like, I'm not telling you because that's, you know, that's a part of who we are. We're going to wear that proudly on our sleeves, you know, and and in the face of everything. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really important to distinguish between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation where someone's actually recreating artworks that is not theirs and stealing our artworks and our motifs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's the difference between buying something because it's, you know, maybe aesthetically pleasing to you, but 
or, you know, buying something that uh, supports an Indigenous artist who, you know, can can sort of continue to, you know, build on their culture, support their community because, you know, when I'm, I'm sure for you, when money comes in to you for your art, uh, that goes out into, you know, your family and supporting um, your broader community as well. So it's not just supporting an individual, it's <coughs> supporting that whole network. Oh, 100%. And I've been financially supporting my dad for the last six months through his, you know, his journey. And and part of that has been coming from my business. And before that, you know, I, I've donated to many of causes and supported First Nation groups and, and other things within the community as much as I can. And I purchase from other Aboriginal businesses to keep that, you know, that economic... Um, economic, you know, the development of mm. Aboriginal businesses and also really emphasising the success and, and empower other black businesses too because it's hard out there and, you know, I really want to also um, say that there's enough room for everyone and I will bring people along my journey and, and bring them up with me and, you know, sh- share them with the world as well because the, the best thing that I can do is share other authentic Aboriginal art businesses to show my following who to go to if they want such and such product. Like, I've always said, you know, not everyone's going to like the same pair of shoes. Um, We all have different tastes. Mm -hmm. And it's similar with art or, you know, whatever you you want, you know, jewellery or whatever. You know, if, if we're sharing all of the authentic black businesses, then it gives people choice and it allows people to choose what style they like because we're not all going to like the same thing um and i think that's really important as well as that is what community is you know we're working together yeah absolutely um thanks so much maddie and on that note um where can people find you yeah, so I've, I've got a website, which is www.yarlicreative.com.au or you can follow me on socials, which is just um, yali underscore creative and Facebook, yali creative <laughs> or even TikTok and LinkedIn and, you know, just Google yali creative and you should find me somewhere along the line. Um, but, yeah, come over, have a yarn. And I'm happy to answer any questions. I love, you know, connecting with people online. I I feel like, you know, when we were in lockdown, that's all I did was talk to (laughs) people online. So I I love it, you know, part of what social media is. Yep, absolutely. You are a connected lady, it sounds like. Thanks so much for coming on, Mads. It's, um, yeah, it's great to have a yarn. And, yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciated it. Yeah. No worries. Yeah, so uh, this has been uh, the mission on on Three Triple R. I've been Maddie Miller, a Darug woman, filling in this week for Daniel James. If you wanted to listen to some of the past episodes of the mission, um, definitely check out the website. Uh, and I think this this episode will be up there as well if you wanted to go back and listen to uh, Adam and Maddie uh, talking about their art practice uh, or listen to some of the other fantastic interviews with special guests, um, which I've been checking out this week, particularly Uncle Andrew Gardner, Professor Sandy O'Sullivan and Rachel Perkins. But yeah, thanks for having me.